that if you place two million fully grown whales on a scale, they would add up to about 170 million tons. Now, if you take that number and double it, that's the amount of pure plastic waste that is produced and dumped globally every single year. 340 million tons of plastic waste. But did you know that upwards of 75% of the emissions associated with plastic waste don't even come from plastic at all? It turns out that the energy usage and transportation of a plastic product significantly increases its carbon footprint, resulting in air pollution that poses severe environmental and health risks for all. Hello, I am your host, Mike Lake, and in today's preview, I will be talking with Ethar Alali, founder and CEO of Automedi, a digital platform effectively transforming plastic waste into new products without long-distance supply chains or high-energy manufacturing. Innovation. Resiliency. Discovery. Join Mike Lake, president and CEO of Leading Cities, as we explore the technologies shaping the possibilities of our future with a preview of tomorrow. Hello and welcome, Ethar. Thank you so much for joining us today. And of course, welcome to all of our listeners. I, I really want to introduce you to Ethar Alali. He is the founder and CEO of Automedi, a solution that utilizes 3D printing to convert plastic waste into products, significantly decreasing the environmental impact of transportation and energy consumption in plastic production. Now, Ethar, I, I am really curious. How is it that you ended up getting to this point what was your journey to create automedi goodness me first of all thanks for having me it's been a great journey so far um but how did i get here that's a really really good and surprising question uh, i actually don't necessarily come from the polymer space myself i actually came from uh, mathematics and technology a rather weird arena um, but what i found ourselves sort of doing if you like in my other uh, job was looking at the supply chain problems that happened at the beginning of the pandemic and realizing actually we need to help out with some of this stuff because there was supply chain disruption all over the place. You couldn't get products, you couldn't get masks, and that caused a whole heap of problems for, for society at large. And as someone who's always been kind of in the social good space, I was like, don't get involved. Okay, I've got to get involved. <clears throat> so I became part of the community effort to start 3D printing, things like face visors and things like that, to basically to help out the local health services. And as a result of that, we thought, well, okay, that's okay. But then I started to look at the environment and realize actually things like 3D printer aren't as easy as we think for people to pick up. So that's really how I got into it. So we started to build sort of platforms to help people along that journey. But goodness me, was that a, a baptism of fire in a lot of ways. Healthcare is a very unique sort of space to, uh -huh. to work in, as you can imagine. So yeah, it's, it's interesting to say the least. Well, already you, you've made my day because it's nice to know that some good things have, have come out of this pandemic. And That's certainly so Automedi, we can chalk up to one of those great things that has come out of this uh, global tragedy. I, I mean, ultimately, you talked about the, the challenges of producing, you know, safety, you know, masks and, and whatnot, that safety uh, materials that we needed during the pandemic. But you're also tackling a bigger issue right it's it's much bigger than just face masks or or uh, even you know m medical uh, protective devices 
it's really tackling this whole challenge we have around plastics. And as we've covered in, in preview tomorrow, before, I mean, every piece of plastic essentially that's ever been created is still sitting still somewhere on this planet. Uh, whether it's a landfill uh, or an ocean, most of the places we can find plastic is not where plastic should be. Um, so give us a sense of just how big, from your perspective, is this problem? Yeah, so this is huge. I mean, you, you mentioned where it shouldn't be. I mean, listen, we're, we're eating it. It's in our bloodstream. It's making its way into our brains at this moment in time. It's a really serious problem. I mean, every year, typically, humans dispose of around about sort of 300 to 340 million tonnes of plastic every single year. A large percentage of that obviously ends up in the ocean, and it enters our food systems. And that means that once we eat whatever is eaten, it's we then get the plastics almost by proxy. So the scale of this is actually massive, but every time you get rid of whatever piece of plastic you've got rid of, it's not just that piece of plastic you're getting rid of, though. You're actually getting rid of all the energy that's effectively gone into making it, transporting it, storing it, using it, and eventually, obviously, driving it to, 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 to disposal. So this problem is not just on the plastic, but it's a much wider question about waste and our relationship with nature. Do communities really want to keep consuming endlessly and then suddenly suffering the consequences of that, both in terms of the climate effects that we're starting to see and getting quite acutely reminded of every few days? Um, or are we willing to start changing the way we consume and the way we relate to our natural environment? So in terms of the effect of this, this starts causing demand almost everywhere, whether it's into healthcare to the tune of maybe $350 million every single year in an economy the size of the UK, or are we talking about creating kind of or solving the problems around dealing with that as a resource, which actually we can start thinking about differently. And this is really where obviously Automedi started to, to, to kind of get its fledgling ideas from, because it's a very interesting sort of space to work in, but that does require understanding the uh, kind of depth of challenge that often is taken for granted. You know, coming back to the point you made about plastic entering the, the food system, and, and I remember a disturbing statistic that on average, we eat essentially a credit card's worth of plastic a week. Yeah. I mean, this is a terrifying notion. Um, exactly. So, and I hope I remember that statistic correctly, but regardless, the fact that you could eat so much plastic um, is is really scary. Because I want to do. I do want to come back to the point you made about it's not just about the plastic, but it's also about the environmental impact of producing or transporting the plastic. Um, and clearly, we've we've heard a lot about you know cl climate change and carbon emissions and greenhouse gases and and whatnot. Um, there's a lot. Uh, that we should be doing. Um, tell us a little bit more about just what is the impact of the production or transportation side of plastic? Yeah, this is this is huge because, as you say, the general assumption, everybody assumes that when I can, what I can see here, um, if you can just about see this part, is the entirety of the embodied emissions associated with everything that, that's ever happened to this thing is actually in this part. But actually, that's definitely not true. Transportation is obviously a key example of that because you transport it in amongst a whole load of other stuff and then that transportation goes on to something else. So you don't get to see the transportation in this apart from the very fact that you're holding it. So when you start to look at this this life cycle effect, it goes beyond just the plastic, which we know that is is uh, 
created from oil. Typically about one kilogram of plastic takes about four kilograms of oil to produce. And not just that, there's the energy required to process that oil and transport it. And that creates impacts on as, as, as far as deforestation is concerned, because you've got to create space for the wells if you have them, or you stick a, a, a pipeline or a platform in the middle of the North Sea and places like that, which means that you're suddenly <laughs> damaging ecosystems more generally as a result of that. But then the back end of that is obviously what you do when you dispose of it. So uh, typically about half of the, the stuff we dispose of ends up in landfill. A very large proportion gets burnt for energy because people think, OK, that's a great idea. Let's burn it for energy instead of burning uh, coal or gas. But actually, you then release all that um, the emissions, typically about half the weight of everything you burn into the atmosphere as CO2, which obviously causes serious global warming issues, increasing the temperature, but also the fact that particulates also go with it creates a uh, a kind of an impact on human health. That means you'll find people going in with asthma or bronchitis actually caused by air pollution. And this is the sort of stuff that you think, well, if we can solve this problem further upstream, we don't have to then deal with this downstream effect. Because as soon as you're into the health service, the health service has its own footprint to treat you. Mm -hmm. So you're in this position where you're actually accumulating continuously other emissions, which sometimes are even bigger than the carbon emission that you first started with. So down, sorry, upstream solutions to this are crucial, but actually they are, it's able to be done in ways that can create equity elsewhere, then you're not just solving those issues in the upstream space, you're actually solving them across sectors as well, which is one of the reasons why we've taken the model, the choices, if you like, that we've made an up to the model um, to market, basically, to look at it as a way of creating economic equity from this bad news position. Now, for all of you who are listening or watching and, and thinking to yourselves, well, I do my part, I recycle my plastic. Uh, one more disturbing statistic is that only about 9% of the plastic is actually recycled each year. Um, so 91% of it is not going where you think it's going. Um, <laughs> and, and you mentioned the health impacts, but let's be honest, one of the culprits is the, the medical industry itself. And, and this is where you've taken, you know, two, two big things, you know, the, this plastic issue and the medical industry, and not only its production and, and the plastic waste it generates, but it also its needs for creating tools and devices or whatnot with plastic. And you brought them together to create Automedi. Tell us, what is Automedi? Oh, yeah, good question. So we, we like to say Automedi is circularity as a service platform that takes plastic waste like this and turns it into products and, and uh, parts for facilities like clips, clamps, whatever else you need. It does that by turning this stuff into what is effectively a, circuit, uh, sorry, a, a 3D printing filament. And that filament is then used to refill 3D printers, which act like vending machines individually. So that means you can basically just go up to a machine and, if you just, and you can make ordering a part or an accessory as easy as ordering a, a chocolate bar or a Coke. That's one option. But they can also work together as a decentralized factory. Now, that means a very tantalizing prospect. That means creating scale and resilience because there's no single point of failure now. You're able to put to create supplies on the, what we call the demand side where people actually need the product. People are able now to make their own stuff as easily as they can order online shopping. 
So suddenly you're in a position where you, and what's better about it is you're doing it from your own way. So suddenly you're able to create these kind of circular microeconomies where you need them. And they can be so small, they can be put into the back of a van or very small kind of trucks that you could um, end up just literally taking where you need them. You can put them on boats, you can put them inside field hospitals where you would not normally be able to get hold of supplies because there are no roads or no um, energy infrastructure, or electricity infrastructure. So that is is a is is a a, a total 180 degree shift from mm. our existing models of take, make and waste, because now you're creating cradle to cradle microeconomies in one place that allow you to make products that you need to your demand whenever you need them from your own waste. Total resiliency. So wrapping my head around this, I, I mean, we're, we're talking about taking, you know, that pill bottle you, yeah. and and you know, uh, putting it in the recycling bin, a special recycling bin, right? Uh, an automatic recycling bin. And down the line, you know, that b pill becomes the exact same material that's used to print another pill bottle or something exactly right. That's, that's precisely the point. I mean, certainly from our perspective, we've started experimenting with other areas in collaboration with healthcare providers to even look at things like finger splints made out of this stuff um, as a potential solution. So that way you don't, you're not reliant on the long distance supply chains that typically are used in this day and age. You're able to make the stuff literally next door to yourself, cutting out all the freight emissions and all the high energy manufacturing because you're making it for a fraction of the energy and a fraction of the cost. And so these, these site, these, you talked about the field hospital or whatever, but you can envision a, a world where every hospital, every That's doctor's that. office, every, medical facility has both the bins to collect Correct. and the 3D printers to produce. Correct. Yeah. And not just it doesn't just stop there. It could be local authorities, it could be schools, it could be science labs, and all of those other areas, which are often um, I'll call it key parts of our infrastructure and our institutions are often really good place for this to be. And better still, those institutions can kind of connect the dots on private and public spaces in the sense that it can help large scale manufacturers deliver parts where people use them because they're now producing them on the infrastructure that cities now have available to them. So the city becomes part and parcel of this connecting um, element where now suddenly the, the factories don't have to produce all this extra secondary market stuff anymore. They can deliver on their promises of sustainability by making the cities partners in their in the process. Uh, so that's another a way to think about this as a way to, 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 to kind of regenerate our relationship between kind of public sector, civic spaces and private sector. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm really getting the concept here and seeing a, a million different uh, applications here. Everybody does. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's so you mentioned, you know, in schools and, and you know, uh, other public institutions, whatever. Give us a sense like I can see myself bringing my plastic, uh, putting it in the bin, but then give me a, a better sense of now I want to produce something with the filament and the 3D printer. What are some of the things that the average person might want to produce with their own recycled plastic? Essentially? Exactly. It's a really good question. It literally, is, it, it just means whatever you like is a short answer. What you really like to give it everybody else. Because what often happens is everybody has, goes to the hardware store, buys DIY stuff. Um, some of that is things like coach hooks. That's a classic example uh, where you basically would go out there, buy a coach hook, screw it onto the, some wall somewhere or some door. It's a plastic one, just like every other plastic one. And then, um, but that's manufactured en masse potentially in China or India and then shipped you know, however many thousands of miles to you. In this particular case, you're suddenly able to make that stuff just by ordering it online. And at the point at which you order it, it doesn't exist. 
that actually that part doesn't exist. What ends up happening is that as soon as you finish the order, it sends it to the machine that's closest to you. So then you could just walk along and go and collect it because that part is now available to you. And that means that places like hardware stores or even small shops and petrol stations suddenly have the ability to create a whole mass of um, inventory that they actually wouldn't normally need to, or they'd need to store, wouldn't they? Because you're now suddenly having to have large cupboards of maybe 500, 600 different. Well, either store or not actually make available to their customers because they choose not to store it. Exactly right, exactly right. But now you've suddenly got this ability to to, to make this stuff on demand. And it's in fact, you don't have to interact with it. It can do it automatically for you from the e-commerce wallet that you created. So that's another way of dealing with it. That means you've suddenly got, it's kind of almost like the Doctor Who TARDIS where you're, sh you're kind of shrinking all this massive space into a tiny, tiny box. And that tiny, tiny box can make literally anything, hundreds and hundreds of items on demand. So it could be anything like that, for sure. Yeah, it could be tweezers, it could be, you know, parts, it could be replacement, anything. So yeah, for sure. Really is amazing. So we only have like a bit less than a minute left. I mean, this is one question I love asking folks. Think 10, 20, 50 years from now. Okay. Automedi is in yeah. every corner store and hospital in the world. What's the impact you see happening as a result? Yeah. So, so really, I, I see that there's no more large factories anywhere. Sounds controversial. But there's also no large scale plastic recycling and material reclamation facilities anywhere because it's all done in the little spaces. Not only that, the community has now received its democratized circularity environment. It's able to make its own stuff when it needs to. And the power to create stuff and participate in the transactions of, of commerce now rests in the hands of, of people as much as, and communities as much as it does the manufacturers. Um, what, what's often called supply sovereignty, where the resilience, if you like, of supply chains now exists within the bounds of a nation or a district or a community group. Uh, that means that there's no poverty anymore because people can you know, either make stuff for nothing or they participate and are paid to participate in the production of stuff elsewhere. So you can see that it's a fundamental shift in, in socioeconomic um, kind of profiles and, and our relationship with nature, but also business as a whole. We're now active participants in our own future in every possible way. So my last question is for all those like myself who are excited and inspired by this, uh, and if we want to learn more, get in contact, oh, how do we do that? But also, what is that next step? Is it How do we explore bringing Automedi to our own community for access for ourselves? I was speaking yeah. selfishly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, that, 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 that's a great question, actually. So, I mean, we tend to kind of build our clusters out um, on to demand, basically. So we ask people to get in contact with us at hello at automedi.co.uk or go and visit our website, www.automedi.co.uk. And what we also do is give people a bit of an insight into, into kind of our world by kind of asking them to follow us on Instagram at weareautomedi. Take a look behind the scenes, see how some of our stuff gets made, see what sort of plastics we collect, um, and you know, and, and just basically have fun with it. Kind of get a, get yourself embedded in the nitty gritty of how we we work, because the reality is that some of this stuff is is bringing forward many many years of future to today, and it's how we end up um, supporting people in that journey. So part of that awareness raising, take a look at our website, come along and speak to us. We're very friendly most of the time, and obviously we're available on all the socials. Well, Ether Alali, thank you not only for being a guest here on Preview of Tomorrow, but also for the work you're doing and, and tackling this issue of tremendous plastic waste and, and making more products available to the average consumer. Yeah, I appreciate that, Mike. Thanks for having me. And thank you 
for tuning in to this episode of Preview of Tomorrow. Listeners like you are essential to advancing our efforts to drive resiliency and sustainability for all. I ask that you give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever streaming platform you prefer. Your feedback helps us to grow and share these brief previews of what life in the future can be. In addition to thanking our guest today, I want to thank Peter Roy and Demetria Bridges for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and encourage others to also join us each week in previewing the possibilities of tomorrow. Preview of Tomorrow is brought to you by Leading Cities, a global nonprofit driving resilience and sustainability for all by unleashing the potential of the world's cities. Join them at leadingcities.org.